My name is Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm the owner and CEO of Detroit Mom. As a teen mom, I know firsthand the feeling of isolation and the fears that come at different stages of motherhood. I spent half the time wondering where to find community and the other half dreaming of a way to create that community for myself and the women around me. No mother should experience change and challenges alone. I created this community and podcast to make sure women in my community are never alone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to make sure you have a voice and your story is being heard. Yeah, let's just get into it today. We're going to talk a little bit about hair and see where the conversation takes us. Somebody want to start? Because I don't know what else I'm supposed to. <laughs> so I guess Kanisha, do you do you want to talk about why I first brought this up? Yeah. So why did we bring this up? Because I just got my hair done like a couple of weeks ago, and I posted a picture on Instagram, and Erica was like, "Oh my gosh, your hair looks so cute!" But we should talk about hair because. Like, how many misconceptions are out there about people of color's hair, right? Or how, like, depending on our culture or ethnicity or religion, like how we take care of our hair or the microaggressions that come with it, too. We started talking about a little bit, right? Like, someone, I can remember when I was young and people are like, ooh, let me touch your hair. And I'm like, no, like, get away from me. I don't have to touch your hair. Like... (laughs) Right? And some of that stuff. So what do you got, Erica? Like, yeah, we started talking about that. Yeah. And like, I just thought it was so funny because when you posted your, you know, that like new hair, I was like, I immediately knew what you got done. And I was just thinking about like, I could say the words like silk press or, you know, like to someone else and they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's just funny. But I also thought because of the group that we have, even between Elizabeth and Crystal, you know, that with that swap, like we have like four different situations going on. And I thought like how fascinating and how cool for that kind of like representation of like the differences amongst women, even between you and me, Kanisha, like we're both brown and have two very different like hair types. But yeah, it's probably a very similar experience of people not understanding that and what we're working with. So I just thought it was super interesting. I also... I mean, I was just telling, like, before we went live here, I was just saying, like, I spent the last two days twisting my hair because, I mean, yes, it takes time, but also because I have two kids now, but, like, most of my friends, because I have a lot of white friends, have no concept of, like, what do you mean it took two hours to do your hair? Or, Mm -hmm. like, if I were to go get braids and that takes six or eight hours, you know, it's like, what do you mean? How, How could that possibly be the case? So yeah, I just felt like, let's just talk about it as a community. There's so much that people might not know. And as we've been talking about making friends with folks of other cultures, like how it would probably be really helpful for, let's say, a white person who's got new black friends to know like, ooh, what should I not ask? Should I say, can I touch your hair? Or like, how do you compliment somebody's hair without sounding awkward? I don't know. Like it might be helpful. So just thought it'd be cool. And then I know Tom Keen, like you had a totally different perspective about that too. Right. So hello everyone. So yeah, so it's not even just about how 
how and talk about hair about the choice of covering hair and the choice to do what we want with our hair, right? And so even growing up for me, it was kind of like, oh, do you even have hair under there? Like, are you bald? Because then why would you cover it type of thing, right? So, so I, so, and my children and my daughters face the same challenge because they're always being asked by their friends, oh, can't we just see a little peek? And my daughter will come crying because she doesn't know like how to handle it or how, what to, to do about it. And so, you know, I recently purchased a few hijab-friendly books for her to just read and be empowered by. And nothing like representation in literature that makes kids come to life and feeling like, yeah, their story is being told and shared. And so so my acknowledging like beautiful Muslim authors who have come out and with these great books and narrative and changing the narrative about it. So yeah, so I guess from my, from, from my end is the challenge of, of convincing continuously people that A, I have hair and B, that it is my choice my empowering my very own independent choice and though it can maybe it's not understood or or but it should be acknowledged that it is me practicing my choice to cover it and that's where the struggle for me lies with, with you know, on this topic of hair so now Tom Keen, this this is just something that I'm ignorant of I know that part of wearing the hijab is that you don't show your hair what are what's the protocol around like describing it or like, is that? Yeah, no, I like describing it is not an issue. Like, you know, I would say like, and a lot of times, like I've talked about my hair in that, yes, I have brown hair, but the showing of it isn't. And then I think also just recognizing that if I'm not feeling comfortable to talk about it, that that, that should be also in a way, you know, protected. And someone can ask, oh, do you have hair? Or, or do you must have like gorgeous hair or something like that. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not bad. And we just leave it at that. I think you can t- sense, we all can sense even as adults, how comfortable someone is, is discussing it. I know some women wouldn't be comfortable because they're like, they're covering it. So they wanted to keep it a level of privacy in that as well. And and that should be respected as well. Like for me, I would just say, yes, I have brown hair. I won't go into length in describing it and stuff like that because I feel like that's like a private thing for me, like for me and my body and, and what I share to, you know, care to share with everyone. So things like that. Right. That's why I was curious about, because um, I would never want to like disrespect somebody by asking. And that's just something I, I hadn't think, thought about. Yeah. yeah, for like a student, I would say someone like my daughter, if someone, if a teacher asked her and said, if you're comfortable, would you like to um, share with the class if then, you know, what color hair you have type of thing, right? And so if, if she felt comfortable and she wanted to, she said, didn't say it. And if she didn't feel comfortable and she's like, oh, I don't know, then, you know, let's leave it at that as well and respect that choice. Mm-hmm. And Can I think I... Think Go ahead. I was just saying, I had shared with Tumkeen that, so where, when I, where I grew up in just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, like there were not, there was not much of a Muslim population, or at least in my town, which was not actual St. Louis. So it was once I moved to Michigan and I'm like 15 minutes from Dearborn that I was opened up to like, wow, there's a whole new community that I've not met. And I started becoming very familiar with folks that wear hijabs and like that being a very normal part of my day. But it wasn't until like my first social work job that I came to learn, I mean, obviously there are people, there are Muslims from a ton of different countries. It's a huge region. And because of like the difference of ethnicities that can be under a hijab, like there's a lot of different hair types under a hijab as well. Right, um, right. So some of the friends that I had would have hair more like crystals and some had hair more like mine. And it was just like so cool and fascinating to me that right. difference, you know, and I'm sure a lot of folks, I would guess that a lot of folks probably don't even think about that either 
I mean, we've got lawns and we've got like <laughs> every ray of color, every ray of texture and from all parts of the world, right? So like wherever Islam and Muslims, you know, exist and come from, they're, they're going to be like those, that different in variation in the hair type and stuff. So it's a tricky topic because it's a different experience. For example, of someone talking about rainy hair and humid hair and stuff like that, like for me, like it's covered. So I, I, I don't get really like have to run or my hair do or all like that. Like that that topic, I'm, I'm almost like, mm, okay. So like it, it doesn't concern me or it doesn't affect me. But it doesn't mean that, for example, that my experience as a woman is anything changed from that? Like, it, like we have our own hijabi hair issues, right? We're like, you know, we talk, we, we in our circles, we talk about, we giggle about, and laugh about. And and so my my thing is, is that I think that the whole topic about, you know, how we were talk, discussing about how we're gonna, you know, the who decides what what someone wears and what doesn't wear and how, what it looks like and what it should look like, and how someone is not taken seriously if, if it looks like something or someone should not be in the front in a store or, or at the, you know, at the window of some place because she's covered and she might represent a certain look or a certain stereotype. I think that is what is, is aggravating for all of us as women, realizing that we are still doing, you know, we're taking strides, we're doing these big, great things, you know, we're successful, we're mothers, we're nurturing, you know, numerous kids. And yet we still have to explain our hair to someone right? Explain our appearance to someone, explain why we do or we do not do something. And, and I, think, I think that we, we really need to discuss and understand why it is so necessary for us to fit a mold or why our minds have to shift in a certain direction when it comes to someone and their hair and why it, it can't just be it, right? Right. I think too, yeah. like all, all four of us are women of color. And so I'm super curious how, like, that's totally different. I feel like Right. Sorry, Kanisha, you were going to say something. I was just going to say, no, I agree. I agree. Like all the things you get told, even in, you know, Erica, and you've heard this probably too, in the Black community now, there's like even going back and forth about, okay, well, are you wearing your hair straight? Or are you wearing your hair natural? Did you get it relaxed? I'm anti, okay. And I'm saying words straight or natural. What does that mean? Right. Right. Like natural meaning no chemicals in it. Or did you get it relaxed like a straightening perm? Which some people do, which I've done in the past when I was younger and stuff too, because when when it's not straight, like my hair is hard to manage and brush. <laughs> and it just makes it like easier to do. But I mean, it can have a little bit of like, like if you don't take care of it, it can dry out and things like that. But yeah, it doesn't matter if your hair is curly. It doesn't matter if you wear it straight. Like I prefer to wear mine straight, but I my husband always says, I don't like your hair straight. You should wear it curly. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, man. <laughs> but that's my own insecurity because for most of my life, I wore it straight and I never wore it like curly. So if I wear it curly, I'm like, I always wear it up because I don't like to wear it down. Like just little stuff like that. But that's because I was molded through society to I got to wear my hair straight because it's acceptable to have straight white presenting hair for lack of a better word to describe it to for job interviews when you need to look professional or cleaned up or dressed up you have to straighten your hair or have it sleek down with no flyaways you know or curly anything 
to look presentable. And who gets to make that decision besides white supremacist culture? Who makes all the decisions? <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> Someone else chime in, otherwise I'll keep going on my soapbox. As I say, I can talk about that for, and probably will talk about that for like half hour, but I'm okay. curious not to put anybody on a spot, but Crystal, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you, like, how would you describe your hair? That is a good question. I just, even listening to you guys talk, I'm like, my hair is just very, it's long, obviously. And then it's, I feel like even since I've become a mom, I feel like it's a lot. Like there's not any body to it. Like it's just straight and flat and there's nothing, I can't do anything with it. Like I try putting in a ponytail, most ponytail holders don't hold it up. Try doing an updo in it. Someone else has to do it because I can't, <laughs> I cannot curl my hair to save my life. My hairdresser tried to show me how to do it and I tried to do it and I'm like, nope, I just don't have the patience. I can't, like this is how I have to wear it because I can't do anything with it. And it's just, I don't know if it's, Filipino hair or Asian hair like even I used to have problems with white women cutting my hair because I always felt like they didn't do it right mm. Asian woman cut my hair I'm like okay she knows you know so there's and I don't know if it's really any different but I mean I feel like most Asian hair is just very flat and very you know a lot of us wear it long because my problem that I always had was when I wear it short I look like a boy <laughs> so I'm like nope long hair but then, you know, it was funny because you guys were talking about, you know, about how you have to have the straight hair for your job interviews. And it kind of reminded me of the 70s when men couldn't have long hair. You had, or, you know, if you wanted to be in the army and it's that same, like, they just, it's a, it is a white ideal of, <laughs> no, you have to have that, you know, even in the army, you have to have the very, you know, short hair. I'm, I'm assuming women even have to do that. I don't actually know because I don't know any, I don't know, I haven't talked with anyone. I'm sure they've probably stepped away from that, like allowing girls to actually have short, long hair in the military, but I don't know. That's so much around this conversation. <laughs> so it's interesting to me that you said that because, I mean, I have two Filipino friends and I have two, three, three Asian friends. And I tip more Asian friends than that. Like a lot of times, like because of like your, your hair, I would assume is like the fine texture language that is used. And so like, I've often kind of lumped together like what I call white people hair is also like Asian hair where it's just like that fine texture as opposed to what mine is considered coarse texture. But to hear the difference, like, you know, that obviously you're you might not identify as a white person. And like to hear you talk about the difference between a white hairdresser and an Asian hairdresser is fascinating. I do know what my Asian friends have said and my Filipino friends, like it's constantly like this bone straight texture. Yep. So like what you said about not being able to curl it. So there's there are differences that just growing up, it was like, okay, if you don't have this type of hair, you have white people hair. That was like the two, the two types. Right. It's interesting, isn't it too? Cause you know, I. I just posted, I had written um, a piece for one of my, for my, the marketing society I'm in. And I lived, I used to live in a smaller Texas town and minority wise, there's probably like 10 of us like in my school, you know, and like one, maybe two black people and maybe two Asians. Like it just was not very diverse. And so I, sometimes we'd have to travel out to like 
want to say it's like Arlington, Texas, maybe where a lot of the Asian people, like for some reason, most Asian people were over there, but that's where, you know, like sometimes I'd have, you know, white hairdressers and they'd be fine, but a lot of the times I wouldn't be happy with it. So it's just crazy that I even like to this day, I notice it and then I'll still go to a white hairdresser because it's convenient because there's not that many Asian hairdressers around where I am. And I'm like, well, I just, I just need someone to cut it, you know? So, but my current hairdresser is also my um, good friend's cousin. So she's Italian and she, she's the one who like, she's like, here, you just do this and this. And I'm like, I'm just going to have to come to you to just curl it because I can't. She got it to stay for like a day. And I'm like, okay, this, she understands hair, you know? So it might just also be maybe the hairdressers I had didn't understand my hair in particular. Girl, <laughs> talk about having to, and I don't know if any of the rest of you have that experience or like Kanisha, because you have a different type of hair than I do. Like you have to go, I have to go to a certain community to find more than one or two selections of hair product. And so like, I know which Meyer I can't go to and expect to find a shampoo and conditioner for myself because there's not a lot of black people in that community. I have to go to that one, or I have to go to a beauty supply in the city because a beauty supply in my neighborhood only has products for a different texture of hair. And heaven forbid, I want to find a hairdresser, like an actual salon. Like I have, you have to, I have to seek out certain communities or certain ways that folks advertise to see if they would even know what to do with my head of hair. And I've tried just walking into generic great clips, like, hey, can you do this for me? And if they won't turn me away, but man, oh man, I wish they would have, because they did not, they were not prepared. Mm-hmm. And it's such a pain in the butt that I don't think that a lot of white women realize like the ability to just walk into a salon or walk into a store and know that they have something for you that is a privilege Mm. Mm. and it's annoying as crap (laughs) so keen now i know maybe a little answer to this question because my hair salon does it but what can you do or where uh, where can you go for your hair salon? Like, does it have to be somewhere that has a private room? Yes. Or... Okay. Yes. Usually when, um, it, it, well, I've got my hair done once or twice. So I, I usually, because I can't find it, it's not accessible. Those women only spaces, they can do that. So we have to kind of like, we look out for each other and we're kind of be like, oh, does anyone know someone who does it privately or has a private room or something like that? So we do that occasionally so yeah we have to have that private room or a, a woman's only type of a situation and then we would go for to some places like that and then you know there's also that um when a, when a woman takes off her hijab like to for that purpose there's this marveling of ooing and eyeing you know in a way like you feel like you're like a species of some sort and so then it's like you know I'm like yeah they're like your hair is so exotic and it's so and then you're like okay like just do what you gotta do <laughs> let's let's move forward right so my experience has been kind of like I I didn't like the attraction because I walk in obviously I'm covered head to toe and then you know I'll take it off and then the eyes that look in and they want to know and it's curiosity and then it's like oh she is normal and then there's like the then there's the language and the language is so like I know you're trying to be nice but you're not being nice with what you're saying. So I think there's a lot of, um, there's still an education, I guess, in realizing that 
under all of that and whoever is like there is a human being and a human being who has like, a feeling and they can feel awkward and they can feel shy or uncomfortable and as um, this um we have to start recognizing that about each other i think that individuality and knowing what to speak and you can even say i mean it's okay to be as vulnerable to say you know how should i how should i approach this or how should i you know what is something that i shouldn't say or did that sound you know offensive to you in any way you know and and learn to do the education in in that shows growth right that shows growth when you're kind of say like okay i don't know what to say in the situation but but you know would this be okay to say because i think that I think, I mean, we all said the norm, the expectation is like a white woman's hair, I feel like, or a white man's hair. That's the standard that mm-hmm. we like, we are all held to be, for colonization reasons. And I know I grew up like deeply internalizing that. And I have been very vocal and open about the fact that in the last four and a half years, since I had my daughter, I've been trying to decolonize my thinking growing up. And Kanisha, you might recognize this name because I feel like we vibe on the same 90s stuff. Cher Horowitz, like from the movie Clueless, my goal growing up as a kid, and you might be able to do this right now, was to be able to do the the thing she does. Like, oh, yeah. and, I do that. <laughs> and anytime I couldn't do it, I was just like, I just want to be able to do the share. The share thing like that. Yeah, because that was beautiful. Yeah. And it's taken 30 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. for me to like change my thinking about that. But like the world upholds that, or like, I take that back. America upholds that, yeah. you know, like that's still the standard. That's still what's glorified. That's still what's common. Mm-hmm. And the golden, right? The golden, my, my daughter struggles with how come my hair doesn't shine like golden color or like, you know, or like her. Mm-hmm. Now it has changed a little bit, but back then it would be like I want golden hair how come I have like black hair or white in my hair like you know like because I think like I see it in my daughter's eyes the eyes light up because it it signifies some type of a beauty or a standard like you were talking about Erica and everyone who doesn't fit that mold is an is like is an outcast right it's just it's not norm is not the person to be in that space so you're You're less than yeah less than but there's a spectrum and that one in the middle is is that is that blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girl, and then everything else is either on this side or on that side, and that is—it's tough. It's tough raising daughters and having to, them to educating them to be empowered in who they are, and not veer in that direction, thinking that that is the standard of beauty, and I can never attain it because she never can be a Caucasian white girl. Like you know, she's just never going to be that girl. She's never going to have blonde blonde hair or blue eyes. I mean, she can dye it, but she inside, she's a brown girl. She's a brown girl, comes from an Indian heritage. And that is something that I struggled with owning. But I really hope that that I can educate or at least make her feel comfortable in knowing that, that she is who she is. And the, the power comes from owning that. And I don't think people realize that that blonde hair, blue eye thing is so pervasive. And I did a... One of my micros that I've shared, I think over the, yeah, it was in the summer of last year about my daughter because she's biracial and she, she has blonde-ish hair. And in the summer, everyone's like, starts ooing and eyeing, hoping that her hair will lighten up and be blonder. And I wrote about like, please stop glorifying that. And please stop wishing for my kid to have blonde hair. Like you're hurting me and you're hurting her. Like, 
let, but people don't even realize what they're saying. And they're just like, oh, won't it be so cute when she has her blonde curls? And I start just like, why? Why would that be so cute? Yeah. What's, what's so great about, about the blonde hair? People don't recognize it. Or like I have pretty much stopped listening to country music because you'll even hear in songs, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like I love your long blonde hair. I love those baby blues. And it's just like, I, you get sick of hearing that messaging all the time because people don't realize that they're upholding, they're glorifying whiteness. Because like you said, Tumkeen, some of us will never have blonde hair or blue eyes. It's like not genetically possible. And when people glor, like put the blonde hair, blue eyes on a pedestal, you're putting everything else below. Right. And how much that hurts. Yeah. That's, and that's a pure definition of microaggression when you're, when you're having those types of conversations and language around beauty and saying, but you know, but I'm just proud of who I am. And that's great. But who you are and the fact that that can be that entire world makes everyone else feel like they're out of worldly, like they're just not in that, they're not allowed to be in that world or they're never going to be able to be welcomed into that world or invited into that world. And so I, I, I find the pushback always is that, but we're just representing our kind or, or who we are or who, or who we were made to be or were born to be. And that's great. But that, that language and that, and that light that you own and that you have, like it just grows and grows and anyone else is in the dark right anyone else is either exotic or or they're unique or they're oriental or they're you know you know like okay for example i'm i'm come from an indian background so my husband is from india my parents are from india and so i'm considered asian too but i'm not that asian i'm another asian so you know so i won't have like my like we don't have here as straight or as silky as as far east communities do we have a little bit more wave into our hair and so it's because it's just, just so much history and tradition and background and it's different if you're in certain parts of India and it's different if you're in other parts of India and, and there's a whole array of that as well. So it's, we're always trying to figure out our own stuff, first of all, <laughs> and then having to paint it with someone else is like, you know what? And then growing up or growing up in the West and, and owning our identity is another ballgame. And, and then trying to represent your religion on top of that, mm-hmm. we have these. And then to 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 be faced with the 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 language and the hate or the the bias the it's just it's kind of like it's it's tiring right it's tiring. Now, does is it the same in Canada as it in as it is? Some of it, yes. You know, I grew up in a time when wearing a hijab in the U in, in Canada was it was not like it was not as popular as it is today. And so, in, if I talk about the Canada that I you know, that I was a part of, it was hard at that point. Now it has gone much more multicultural and understanding, but the hijab was a struggle at, at that point in our life. Today, the hijab isn't as much, but if a woman is, is still covering her face, which is, you know, like the, that's like the new no-no type thing, then that is, that, that's another level. Like me and my sister were just talking, she was over and she was saying, you know, when people, when I come to the States, I feel like everyone's staring at me and everyone's looking at me and their, and their eyes are just like so narrowed in, like they don't like the way I look. And I said, I'm used to that because I've been covering my face like, you know, for years. And she's like, well, in Canada, the hijab has now become acceptable. But if you cover your face, I can understand that being the next step. And I said, well, 
you're lucky because I, I don't think there's ever been a place where I don't want, I, I feel like I'm not attacked if they don't swear at me or if they don't say anything vile or hateful to me. Then I feel like I'm not attacked. The eyes can attack me all they want. We've kind of, but for her, it was so different because she was like, it was so different. I said, well, this area isn't, but in certain areas that she's been in, she felt like very much like, like picked on and stuff like that, or just, you know, just hated, I guess. It just blows my mind that the fact that you have to say, I feel like I'm not attacked just because someone isn't verbally saying something to me. Like, oh, yeah, breaks well, my heart. yeah, I'm tolerable. Mm -hmm. That's very tolerable. Mm -hmm. Now I can. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, like, so it's been similar, I feel like in the U.S. over the last probably like five or six, let's call it generously, 10 years, like, mm -hmm natural black hair kinky yeah. coily curly hair is starting to become more accept acceptable mm -hmm. tolerable I know in California they just last year passed the crown act where you couldn't discriminate against somebody in the workplace for wearing their hair as it grows out of their head but I know I look to like on tv shows and movies we're seeing more people more black women specifically wearing not straightened hair and I always like applaud it like yes let's have this moment and we're still not there because I noticed. So I think we've talked before. Like, I love the show Blackish. Um, yeah. And Rainbow Johnson, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, she always has these beautiful, gorgeous hairstyles. And I feel like they're purposely showing the diversity of what her hair can do. And it's not an accident. But at the same time, they also always show her like anytime that she's waking up or going to bed, she never has a scarf on, never has a bonnet on. And like in real life, Lady, there's no way you would just be going to sleep on that hair. Not a chance in the world. They also don't show in the course of an episode, or there was one episode, but like sh the amount of time it would take to change all those hairstyles because she'll go from braids to knots yeah. to, and like, okay, in real life, that would have been a six hour process, yeah. you know? So like, they're not showing everything yet, but like we're getting there. So maybe 10 years from now, they'll show the reality of it. Yeah. And I even think of two, like, I could switch to the more reality. So I love my reality TV, you know? So like Real Housewives or The Bachelor-like franchise. But all the the Black girls on the show have like a weave or a wig, which they also don't talk about. And you are supposed, if you were a regular person, you'd be like, that's probably like their hair. I'm like, no, that's not that's a protective hairstyle is what it is. Braids are protective. A weave is protective. A wig is protective because we just have to take care of our hair a little bit differently. Like it dries out easy. We can't wash it enough. My husband thinks it's, you know, when we first got together, my husband is white. And I've said that before. He was like, you go two and a half weeks without washing your hair. Like how? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't need to. <laughs> like it doesn't. It's just different. Like if I were to wash my hair every day, like some people, it would be so dry and brittle. But some individuals I know, like white women have to wash their hair every day. Otherwise it gets, like my best friend, she's like, I have to wash my hair every day or it's going to get oily or yucky. Like, and I'm like, I can go two and a half weeks. <laughs> and you know what? That's something I had to even push back against. And yeah. at the school level, because would we have with our fourth and fifth graders, the hygiene talk? once a year you know I've I've had to stop teachers from saying like part of being healthy and clean is to take a shower every day and wash your hair every day and I'd say stop you're only thinking about people in your community that are like you 
mm-hmm. for like, you don't want to teach that that's how you are clean because now all those little black kids are going to internalize, like, am I not clean because I wash my hair once every 10 days or two weeks? And so, and it was something people just hadn't thought of. They didn't realize what they were saying. So it goes back to that language, like mm-hmm. Tom Keen was saying, like, you have to think about cultures other than your own in so many areas that people don't realize. Right, 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 right. And I think that learning and listening, especially to like, you know, like our show, but anything else where you're you're allowing yourself to open your mind, like you have to give yourself the permission to learn. I don't think people realize that if they're having that resistance to learn or that resistance to to know more, you have to explore why you're resisting. You have to explore why your heart, your mind, just doesn't be like, well, it doesn't concern me. Like that that shift in thought, catch yourself in it. Catch yourself in it and realize that there is a resistance there and where that stems from. Because that is probably the answer to why we remain stuck in places of not learning and not knowing or growing. If we wish to explore in that and wish to know more, then like we talked about before in our, on this show that about making friends who are outside of your culture, listening to them, talk, listening to their experience, you know, and if you're close enough, ask them the experience. I mean, I'm learning right now because I really honestly didn't know about the hair. I mean, we, we've had some, um, I've had some people who I've, they've talked about like their, I think they called it wash day or something. Mm-hmm. And, wash day, and, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> follows uh, someone by the name of Hakima. She, she's from the US um, as well. And she was a hijab. And she was talking about, and it's a beautiful ad that she did for somebody. And she was talking about wash day and she was talking about her girls and how she gets them ready for that. And it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. She did that because I learned because I was like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even know that that exists. So, but, but, you know, when you learn that and acknowledge that I'm listening, like the hair products not available for all hair kinds, you know, for me, Pantene works, right? So I, I don't think about that. It's at every drugstore, right? I don't yeah. necessarily version of a shampoo but nevertheless it works for uh, for me or for my hair type but to learn that that's 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 quite fascinating and i think that these are the steps i guess this type of show does help us to realize and recognize the language we speak and we're talking that hey there's a whole bunch of stuff we don't know and it's affecting people in the day-to-day life and uh, acknowledging that at least as as the first step to realizing then and and being educated in it Absolutely. Again, oh my gosh, Chung Keen, I just always want someone to just walk behind you and write down everything you say, which I guess is you because you're a writer. Yeah. But like you said, affecting people in their everyday, day to day life. That's the mm-hmm. sort of stuff like growing. I mean, I know, so we all have our own stuff to work out, right? So like, and I keep my therapist very busy. Like I know that I have to do my own decolonizing my thinking and I have to get past my own insecurities. It like five years ago, I would have been, you would have to like, kill me before I would show up on anybody's internet with my twists like that it's would have been unheard of because I would have had to have my hair straightened and if I didn't it would be like in some sort of nice looking pony with a headband and so I know that I have my own stuff to work out but also like should yeah the world should be learning about each other we should be growing so that people don't have to feel that way right can you if you if you don't mind Erica can you just kind of give the definition of what decolonizing means Um, because we get it we, we get it. We use it. But I'm not sure it's aware of what that, that truly yeah. means. Great point. So colonizing being the fact that, so the reason why all of us have this internalized standard of whiteness and white maleness is because who runs the, who runs the country? 
white people, white men specifically, and like right below white men is white women. And that has become what has been presented as the standard. So because so they have that has colonized our thinking. Decolonizing is to break that down, to undo it, to try and unlearn those norms that are arbitrary and that were put there based on prejudice, based on bias, based on racism and classism and sexism. Um, all the isms. Sorry. Right, all the, all the bad isms. <laughs> so yeah, unlearning. It's just, yeah, decolonizing is unlearning that standard that was brainwashed into us or, you know, unintentionally or intentionally. And but, so his well, because it bases on the, the colonization of the world and going into cultures and countries and then saying that, no, your way was the savage way or the not right way. And then saying, here, we are better. And so we'll teach you how to be better. Follow, follow our language, follow our um, religion, follow our way of life. And then you will leave your savage ways behind and become modernized, become, you know, sophisticated, intellectual, intelligent. And right. so that look like us and you'll be accepted in our society. So, yeah. So a woman, let's face it. Black woman who wears her hair natural a lot of times is looked at like she's she's not she's not intelligent enough or sophisticated enough or polished. You know, uh, a hijab woman wearing um, her stuff or anyone else who covers her hair culture. I know I know a few friends who wrap their hair, and so then it's it's like, mm, is it dirty? Does it smell like you know? Even like of Sikh men who cover their hair, and there's this automatic pushback like mm, like you just you don't look clean enough you don't look you know sophisticated enough you don't look like you know more than than you know your old ways from back home so you know I, I get passionate on that talk because and I talk to my teenagers about it because it's so ingrained in us it's ingrained in a, what what a smart person or a like an executive should look like it's so ingrained in us if an executive had a long beard like my husband has a long beard right? And he's a Muslim man. And so if he wears that, there have been in the past years, you know, specifically maybe three years ago or so, when men had to come home and shave their beards or had to cut their beards short because they looked like something that was being stigmatized as, as a terrorist. And mm -hmm. girls came home and took off their hijab. Men came home and shaved their beards off. And they cried. There are parts of this world right now, countries as we speak of, that have concentration camps for Muslim people where the husbands are being, you know, they, they, they're changed. There's like a, it's, it's the Uyghur population in China right now is just so much suffrage and it's happening in real, real world right now. Like it's just, it's what we based on what we see in India, the country I come from, the country of my ancestors, of my husband, of my father and grandfather and great grandfather has just passed a rule in one of the States saying that it is, um, not a religious duty for a woman to wear hijab. Like it's not a religious thing that she has to be mandatory. And so therefore girls in front of their schools are being refused to enter buildings if they have a hijab on their head. And I have seen women and it looks like being seeing someone being raped in real time, having to take off their hijab and the coverings and throw it in the trash before they can enter a place that they study or work at. This is still our world that we're living in. In Canada, my beloved country of Canada, in the state, in the province of Quebec, a woman cannot be in public spaces with a hijab on her head. Same thing goes with France, and same thing goes with a lot of European countries. And because it doesn't fit the standard of what it should look like, 
a woman's right to own her body only looks good if it's following, following a colonized way of thinking. The moment a woman says, I'm taking this right and I'm covering myself, it's uh, uh, that's not how we do it here. Even though, even though it's totally how white people do it if they are not in a convent. Mm. And I like I know that there's that image on the internet about like that shows different ways that white people have been covering their hair for eons and it's totally fine and it's even like praised or considered like what a wonderful thing you're doing. I was thinking of that, thinking of like, you know, Jewish Orthodox women who cover their hair with a wig or a hat and don't get that pushback or even, you know, nuns. <laughs> like right. you said, that, right. that it's yeah. Hmm. I know Tom Keen, when you were sharing some of those videos on your Instagram a couple weeks ago, I was like watching them all and I was commenting to you. I was like, this is breaking yep. my heart watching this because not individuals don't know that that's happening right now. Right and now. like, it was breaking my heart to watch those. Mm. It's what we choose to focus on. We can very much be on Instagram and Facebook and on channels every single day, 24 hours a day and watch the news that totally skips past what's going on in communities in our own state even um, and, and world at large. Like you can so have a narrow vision on what you choose to see and to know and think that is an all-encompassing news and miss out on a whole world of stuff that's going on and then be awakened to it. Like for example, with the George Floyd thing, I think so many people were like, oh, I can't believe it's happening. And, and, and everyone else was like, it's been happening for a while. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. the news picked, basically the news picked it up, right? And then it became a bigger thing and people were, were, were shocked, but I think the shock wore off of many people a long time ago. Yeah, and so speaking of the George Floyd thing, I know I wanted to share with you guys. So as I was, you know, I just got done being pregnant with this guy. And so he's a biracial male that I'm holding right now. And as I was pregnant, I kept saying like, I just hope he has dark hair. I hope he has dark hair because I know that because of the blonde hair, blue eyed guy I married, like my kids come out really fair skinned and on both of my nephew, like our whole, his whole family, that blonde hair, blue eyed stuff seems to dominate despite like science. So knowing that he might come out really light in complexion, like I wanted him to have something that would point to like, your mom's in there. Like you have some mm -hmm. heritage, you know? And my husband had asked me, don't you think his life will be easier if he has light hair? And I said, absolutely it would, but that's not, I'd rather change the world so that that's not true than mm -hmm. wish mm -hmm. that whiteness upon, like I shouldn't have to wish that and hope that he's blonde okay. so that he's let looks less threatening to the police. Like I want him to have dark hair. I hope it curls up. Basically, I want him to look like Kanisha's youngest son, but I prayed for that curly hair so hard. I was like, I hope he has curly hair. I hope he has curly hair. Yeah, I want him to have I want him to have dark hair because that's part of his heritage. That's part of yeah. where he came from. Curls mm -hmm. would be a part of where he came from. And I don't want to wish mm -hmm. that away because of it would be easier for the world. I'd rather mm -hmm. change the world than change my son. And so far his hair is brown. So <laughs> And that's too, like our kids, right? So one of my kiddos, again, yep, biracial, right? And one of my one of my boys has pin straight hair that if you don't get it cut, like every couple of weeks, his colic like sticks straight up, like there's no help with it. And then my other boy has perfect ringlets that I wish that I could have that are long, long. I straightened like a front piece the other day. It was like as long as 
<laughs> and it was so long and he hated it. He's like wanted it curly and made a spray it and put it back. He hated it straight. He did not like it. So yeah. And then, yep. Had to have that same conversation with my husband when it started getting longer. Um, like this is how you do it. You cannot brush dry curls. We brush it while it's wet or in the bath. We condition it. Like you can't brush, you can't brush out curls. That's not how it works. So yeah. Mm. yeah. I've learned so much. Still <laughs> about um because she's got girls and yeah. and I and about how they do does she feel that same thing like I was touching on before about about hair and about what what standard beauty and the Disney princesses and all that stuff. If she's have had to have those conversations with them yet, I know hers are a little bit younger than mine, but about just about accepting her, her natural hair or in what that beauty looks like for them. I haven't had to have those conversations yet, but I'm actually jealous of both of them. My kids are also biracial. They have like wavy hair, which is what I want because I, you know, like I said, I cannot do anything with this hair of mine, but I feel like maybe if it was wavy, I would feel a little bit like it had something to it because it's just, it is bone straight. But luckily I've, I haven't had to have any of those like big conversations. They really took to like Moana and Raya. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> there was though a little, my, my husband brought this up. My husband's also white and he was like, is it weird that she kind of wanted the Little Mermaid doll? Because those Illy dolls from Target, she kind of wanted Little Mermaid. And she's like, I can't tell if she wanted her because of an ideal or if it was just she just likes the Little Mermaid. And I kind of looked at like what she ended up. She ended up getting, there was a Minnie Mouse one, darker hair. It's very curly. And, you know, we're like, it kind of looks more like her. It's a little darker skinned. Um, and so I think it was just that she just likes the Little Mermaid. And there's no, like, she's not thinking, like, oh, yeah. I got to get red hair and I need to be a fish. And, you know, but, like, thankfully, because they were really into Frozen and that started to worry me a little bit about, like, oh, right. no, are they going to start? But, like, once they had, like, you know, really latched onto Moana and, you know, like, she looked, like, especially my younger one loves Moana. And is like, she looks like me. And I'm like, okay, this is good. And my right. one daughter, Raya, wasn't as, as popular with everyone but she that's what she wanted to be for Halloween and I was like yes because I loved how Raya was not you couldn't right. tell what Asian it was it was like yep. she was yeah. Asia, yeah. <laughs> you know so luckily I'm I hope I don't have to have those conversations it was I, I think I don't know it was a, I'm glad Disney has changed a little bit of it you know I mean they did they did totally like with Jasmine I mean that's just botched so we could talk for like mm. it, they just moshed everything together. It was Arab and it was um, North African and it was like we we literally me my daughter we were just going past it the other day my teenager, and we were like she's like that's like Iranian and she's like that's Indian and that's like I'm like they just because they didn't they were like let's just put all of them in one, and and she grew up at a thing but when Cinderella and all that stuff was was more so a little bit you know they didn't have these the Mulan was like all whitewashed anyways as well so. So it was a little bit different, but I, I do commend them for trying to now with Moana as well and with uh, Raya. So when, when my daughter sees and she gets happy with that, and when my, my, like my youngest, I mean, she'll be like, there's a 10 year gap between my two girls. And so my younger one, when she's into that and she'll be like, no, but that's not what pretty looks like. And she'll say things like that. Then I find like the, the language has to be like, you know, we have to explore it. Why, 
she feels that way. Yeah, Disney's totally having a little moment right now where or I feel like I don't know what's Disney and what's Pixar and what's not, but like yeah. the kids are finally starting to see like between Moana, Raya, and now Turning Red, which mm-hmm. I love. We haven't like, watched that one yet. They're starting to see some Asian representation, some mm-hmm. Pacific Islander representation. We still only have two. And for most of the movies, she's an animal. She's not even a princess. So that's a different conversation. And it's got a bunch of like dark voodoo stuff. And anyway, we're working on it. But, <laughs> you know, they're finally that's recognizing. In Kanto stuff. Yeah. I love that the different colors I've, I love that they didn't just stick to like one skin tone like it would represent the whole I think it's supposed to be Colombia right yeah so I like that the biracial family I liked that you know the mom was one color and then the father was a different and then the children look different and represented though the plastic dolls and the toys are just those are just the hair like okay let's go back to the hair stuff with the dolls like why are the dolls with like the barbie hair like so beautiful and silky and then everyone else hair just it's they need to the toy industry definitely needs to kind of pick up on that stuff too we need to explore a little bit more because it's just not representing that's well, an excellent point that's why we didn't i have never my girls have never been into american dolls the american girl dolls because I don't recall there being an Asian or even a Black American girl. Maybe there right. is, like, but right. I Addie. just never got into it because of that. Because I'm like, huh? But yeah. then when we found this Illy doll that she's still white, but my kids are biracial. So I'm like, okay, she's at least got a darker skin tone. Because that's the one thing, too, about my husband's like, he'll make a joke about, like, I married you because then my kids will at least be tan because my husband's white. When he's, we used to live in California and he'd come home and his friends would be like, I thought you'd be tan, you live in California. And it's like, no, this is just my skin and I don't tan, I burn. So, you know, but it was like, you know, he makes that joke, but I am thankful that they do tan because I'm like, no, I need you to be, you know, I need you to be representing like me as well. And like my oldest looks more like my husband's family, but she tans and she's got this wavy hair and you can tell there's something different maybe exotic. I'm like, I don't, please don't use that to describe my almost seven year old, but you know, people do that. And you're like, can you not do that? <laughs> now I made a point with my daughter. So she has two black Barbies and two white Barbies and her Kens are both kind of like ambiguous, which is fine because she is too, but she has a couple of dolls with curly hair with like brown skin dolls with curly hair, but it is like, you can't comb it or brush it. It's it it has to, I have to tell her, like, you can brush your Barbie's hair, but that doll, you can't really do anything to her hair because it will not, it will not work. The doll industry, like, they got as far as curls. They have not gotten to, like, you can style them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the most so, like, American, uh, American girl dolls and they're called, like, Salam Sisters. And my daughter was, like, in love with hers because it came with a hijab. And she had different hijabs she can change into. It wasn't just one. So it had, like, accessories with it and stuff and she loved it and they had a little story with it too so someone had gifted it to her and she was like in love with that doll like and and she just she just saw herself and she was just lit up and I'm so glad for all those um, people who are going now and creating that alternative and and investing in the alternative and I just hope that you know mainstream stores and mainstream places carry those as well and not have to travel to a special place to get it or get it online There was one thing I was going to mention from earlier, too, that real quick, because I know we're going to wrap up in a second. But when you were talking about, you know, traveling to special stores, Erica, like, I don't think that some individuals realize 
that when you do go to particular stores, if you have to travel to a certain store for black hair care, most of it's also locked up. Oh, yeah. Um, you have yeah, to get the manager to get a key and walk yeah, over there so you don't steal it. Yeah. And it's like, what message is that sending? Not only do we have to go to a particular area to get hair care things, but we also uh, have to ask for a key so we don't steal it, like, because, you know, we're criminals. So it just had to be added because not a lot of people know that or realize, well, well, this is locked up, but this isn't. Why, like, why is my conditioner locked up? Absolutely. Next time I'm out, I'll take a picture. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the Pantene or the L'Oreal yeah. or the Revlon will be mm-hmm. out in the open. And then directly next to it is a case with the Cantu and the Mayo and the Carol's daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing. It, it's oh, tough yeah. out here. Take a picture. We, we gotta like, yeah, we have to- we'll have to share that with the community because yeah. I don't think a lot of individuals know, or, or they've maybe seen it, but not realized why the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Getting so comfortable realizing that that should be an uncomfortable thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. Hair, y'all. Hair. It is not just, it is not just sitting on top of your head. It's like, it's speaking to people. It's a life experience and it's deep. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned so much today. Yes. I feel like I did too. (laughs) This is great. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. And obviously you can catch this on the replay and it was just such a pleasure to actually talk with you guys. I'm usually on the back end, so. (laughs) We're so glad you came with us. But yeah, it was nice to see you guys and just talk with you because yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot. I mean, just even what you just said just now, I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah, that is locked up, you know, like people don't think about it until you, you like have to tell them and then they're like, oh, well, that's not okay. (laughs) So, I mean, that's probably a whole other conversation we can have in (laughs) in the next one. So if you have any questions, comments, you guys know how to reach us, just feel free to share and we'll answer you and we'll see you in two weeks for another Getting Comfortable with the Uncomfortable. And again, my name's Crystal. You guys know Erica, Kanisha, and Tom Keen, and it'll either be me or Elizabeth or somebody else. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, schedules. It's what being a mom is, right? Just right, mom life. Flexible, so. All right, well, thank you again. And I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off this live, so thank you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.